Welcome back to episode 27 of the FPL Draft Hub podcast. Today we're looking at players who we haven't seen yet. Welcome back to the FPL Draft Hub podcast. Another bonus episode for you during the international break. In this episode, I'll be running through some of the players that are yet to feature this season, but will be very much on manager radars. So the entry criteria for this episode are as follows. They need to have played zero league minutes through the opening four game weeks and must have been players available for selection ahead of game week four because all of the new additions I've covered in the previous episode. The majority of players discussed in this pod will have been struggling with injuries, but there will be a few missing out either due to transfer negotiations or just because they haven't been picked yet. So usual format going through each position in turn with percentage stats to give you some extra context. And at the end, I'll rank some of these guys to help you out with your waiver selections ahead of game week five. So let's get into it. Starting with the goalkeepers then, and there are a couple of names uh, to bring up on this list. The first is Tom Heaton, an interesting one as Villa have obviously brought in Martinez from Arsenal and he's barely put a glove wrong since he's come in. Heaton has missed a lot of football the last couple of seasons due to big injuries, and although game week five has been touted as his potential return date, I don't see him displacing Martinez anytime soon. I feel that for Martinez to move to Villa, there must have been some assurances about his place in the first team, and at 28 years old, he's entering his prime, while Heaton at 34 is familiar with being a Premier League backup keeper. For larger leagues, and I'm talking sort of 12, 13 managers plus, Heaton could be a keeper to pick up and park on the bench on the off chance he is put straight back in the starting 11. But if all is quiet by game week six or seven, probably best to send him back to the waiver pile and try someone else. In 12-man leagues, his ownership currently sits just below 40%. So there are a fair few of you that have gambled already when all of the other obvious targets have gone, but I think it's an unlikely one. The second keeper is Dean Henderson for Man United. No injuries for Henderson, obviously, this year, who managed 160 FPL points last season on loan with Sheffield United. Very much stood up with the rest of the Sheffield United backline to contribute towards their impressive return to the Premier League. He's committed his future to Man United, despite David De Gea as the very much established number one in goal. The issue for Henderson is that so far De Gea can't really be blamed for any of Man United's defensive issues and it's difficult to see him being given a run of league games, barring an injury of course. And he's still massively owned in draft FPL with ownership in the mid 80% in most league sizes. And aside from handcuffing him with with David De Gea, there's no reason to have a non-playing keeper on your bench, especially not one that plays for a team shipping so many goals. With the number of players still vanishing from team sheets each week due to COVID, you need to have two playing keepers, even if that means having to resort to having a Johnston or a Rodak coming off the bench for one or two points. I'm sure there are a number of you that have already lost tight head-to-head matchups by that sort of margin. On to some defenders then, and I've got a few more options to go through here. The first one is Ben Mee. Now, Burnley have really struggled so far this season after three games, losing all three and conceding eight. Whether their struggles are down to his absence, obviously Tarkovsky coming back didn't seem to change much, remains to be seen. But with a game away at West Brom next, if it sounds like he's fit, he could be somebody to look at even just for that game. As it stands, he's still in 
Uh, he's still a doubt and he's certainly not worth getting in early. So, you know, especially as the fixtures take a real turn after that with Tottenham and Chelsea following on after. But definitely one to keep an eye on. The next one is Patrick Van Arnholt for Crystal Palace. We know he's capable of of 140-point season in a defence that's more than capable of getting 12, 13 clean sheets in the league this year. He will be back in the starting 11 once fit. And Palace look to be capable of being ever so slightly more attacking this year. So it could be a season for him to get back to his best ever kind of attacking output where he got six goals and four assists. His ownership is high, around 72% in eight-man leagues, for example. So plenty of managers have deemed him good enough already to hold on to. I'm not sure I would have got, you know, gone for him on draft day, but he's certainly worth getting now if he's free. The next one is Saliba for Arsenal. A bit of hype around the new centre-back ahead of the season, but does not look to be anywhere near the starting eleven. He was close to returning to St Etienne on loan on deadline day, but it fell through apparently because they ran out of time. He wasn't submitted as part of Arsenal's Europa League squad either, and there's also talk he could yet be loaned out to a football league club. Ownership currently stands around 10%, but definitely one to offload if you did gamble on him. Moving to the current league leaders then, and Holgate is another one who we haven't seen so far this season due to uh, a toe injury. We're not really sure of the details on it, but given the amount of time he's out, it could have been, could be a fracture there. Sounds to be slightly more serious than previously thought with the last word in September that he could be out for another couple of months still. So not one to really look to bring in just yet. Pereira for Leicester, who's been one of the top performing defenders in FPL over the past couple of years with Chilwell on the opposite side. And Leicester have somehow managed to find two very capable replacements in Justin and new boy Castagna. Initially, I was fairly certain that Pereira would find his way straight back into the starting 11 once fit. And I still am relatively confident he will, but there's definitely an element of doubt now given how well those two have been through the first four games. Opinion seems to be that Justin would be the one to miss out with Castagna moving back over to his preferred left-back spot. It still seems slightly too soon to have Pereira parked on your, parked on your bench uh, with his ETA back in the team continually being nudged back, but he will be someone you need to go for early if you do want him and could be even more valuable if Leicester continue with their three at the back formation, which could see him in more of a right wing back role, which we haven't really seen him in before. So moving on to midfield, and I've got two pretty all-star names to talk about here. Uh, the first one is uh, Ziyech, Hakim Ziyech, the latest Ajax import into the Premier League signing for Chelsea, more or less to replace uh, William on that right-hand side. Left footer coming off the right, either floating them to a teammate at the back post or just curling them inside the far post himself. I know what this guy's ceiling is on, on a given day as I've seen him tear Spurs apart over two legs in the Champions League semi-final a couple of years ago and his numbers from Ajax are really impressive and his stats kind of fit a sort of KDB mould with plenty of goals but even more assists. His best year came back a couple of years ago in that 18-19 season where he got 16 goals and 17 assists from 29 games. Playing as part of a 
really great attack at the time alongside the likes of Tadic and uh, Man United new guy Van der Beek, who was playing very much uh, as a number 10 in that side, just on a side note. His entry into the Chelsea team once back from injury could just about coincide with the return of Christian Pulisic and an as yet under-firing Timo Werner hungry for goals could be a real electric front three. I still think there will be games where Chelsea struggle this season if their midfield lose their battles on the day and leave their defence exposed, but I also think we'll see some teams that really come against Chelsea on the wrong day, much like Liverpool at Villa last week. And in those games, I'd expect you know that front three of Pulisic, Werner and Ziyech to all bring in a pretty tidy haul of FPL points. So the second midfield to talk about is Mr Gareth Bale. Now the form of Harry Kane and Son early on makes for a really interesting landscape at Spurs when trying to value Bale for FPL. You know, if you're the opposition, who do you mark? Where do you put your defensive block when you've got players that can kill you running in behind and also hurt you from the edge of the box? I think teams will be unable to ignore the mysticism that Bale's name carries and there's a chance Son and Kane could profit even even more than they have done already. And I also think Spurs are likely to meet a lot of flat back fives moving forwards. No, you know, especially West Ham on the next game. And if anyone can conjure a goal out of nothing, it's the Welsh wizard. It looks like we will be seeing Bale get his first returning minutes against West Ham, very likely off the bench. And if the teams are drawing with a few minutes to go, you can bet your house on the fact that Bale will have read the script and he knows that part very well. I think my favourite ever goal Bale scored for Spurs came against West Ham away at Upton Park. 90th minute with the score at 2-2, just picking the ball up in no man's land and smashing the ball top bins to win the game. That goal then sparked a a run of performances where Bale would just decide he was going to score and there was not much the opposition could really do about it. And I'd absolutely love to see a streak of that this year. In terms of his ownership... um, He kind of mirrors click for Leeds with ownership dropping to around 42% in eight manager leagues and rising up to around 90% in some of the larger leagues. And as I mentioned on the previous episode when he signed, I ran a Twitter poll which showed the majority of draft managers would have had him in their top 30 players overall on draft day. And when you allow for the strikers and a couple of defenders that would also have been in that top 30 that realistically and you know being conservatively puts him in the top 20 midfielders which means unless you're in a draft league of less than five managers and there are plenty of them out there he really should have been picked up by now now you might say hey I've got you know I've got a midfield five of Bruno Fernandez, Son, Pulisic, Grealish and you know got good value on James Rodriguez late on who should I drop for Bale and my answer would be nobody but there will be managers who have the likes of, you know, a Bowen, a Click, Pereira, a Mason Mount, who have all started decent enough, who would 100% be droppable for Bale. Now, you might say, you know, hey, Bowen looks to be nailed. He's got a great output record, basically scoring one in two for Hull. He looks like great mid to just set and forget. Tidy turnover of points compared to Bale, who could always pick up another injury and miss a whole chunk of the season. And while I couldn't argue with that, the potential upside that Bale has over Bowen, both due to just his individual quality and by playing in a superior team, Sol's West Ham fans, could be the difference between you winning and losing your draft league. 
Now, if you've had a mare the past couple of years and you've been down in bottom place a lot, then maybe you want to stick with with a Bowen and just kind of nail yourself into mid-table mediocrity. But if you want to try and win your league and smash those head-to-head matchups, you'd otherwise be losing. An informed bail is who you want. There's a great Paul Newman quote that says, if you look around the poker table and can't spot the sucker, it's you. Well, if Bale is sat in your waiver pile and everyone else thinks their mids are too good to drop, he's for you. And as an aside, that quote also applies to you if you've ended up with Hendrick in your midfield and you can't work out why nobody else went in for him. On to the forwards then. Uh, another all-star to kick things off in Sergio Aguero. FBL juggernaut from the last decade with 180 Premier League goals, putting him fourth in the all-time records. Averages a goal about every 100 minutes or so, so virtually every game with a handful of assists in there too. Put some respect on the man's name. He went 11th in my main draft league behind the likes of Rashford and Martial, and I've seen drafts where people have managed to pick him up as low as the 20th pick. Now, the problem is always how many minutes he'll manage to get each season. And if we go back to 2011-12, he managed 2,500, just over 2,500 minutes, and has never got more than that since. With last season seeing the lowest ever minutes tally, he's managed to managed to put up. Now, a fully fit Aguero remains Man City's first choice striker by a country mile, and in my opinion, he's generally been criminally undervalued this year. In smaller leagues of around six managers, Aguero is currently sat in 10% of waiver piles. Now, in the majority of leagues out there, the manager that did get Aguero on draft day with either their first or second pick will very likely not be topping your league after game week four. Now, on fbldrafthub.com, not only can you see overall ownership stats, but one of the tables allows you to see how the top 100 managers are doing and how their squads look. So if we look at the 100 highest scoring draft teams across all 10 team leagues, Aguero is present in just 1% of those teams. Now, while this isn't surprising because he hasn't played yet, now is probably the time to target him in the brewing or overbrewed trade carnage that comes with the international break. Now, he still looks set to miss out on another three or four games, which could even carry to the next international break in November. And you might be able to trade on your relative position in the league with an Aguero owner in order to bring him into your squad and provide the other party some much-needed short-term points. Now, if you're listening to this and you have struggled early doors with Aguero parked on your bench, I would make sure you're getting a fair price if you're looking to move him on. And if you can squeeze a bit more from your remaining players, then do try and hang on to him because he will explode when he gets back into that team. The final player to mention is Ryan Brewster. Uh, As mentioned previously, it would look like Brewster was going to get a move to Sheffield United and the rumours were true. Sheffield United have scored just one goal in their opening four games, the lowest in the league. And when you watch them, it's not really surprising. It worries me that they're looking to Brewster as the answer. And for nearly £24 million, this is a big boy signing for Sheffield United that needs to be paid back in goals. Now, he's only 20 years old, which I'm sure factors into his pricing but you know they're gambling on a guy that scored 10 in 20 games for Swansea last year being the one to keep them in the Premier League. 
And what is a realistic target for him this year in order for Sheffield to stay up? Somewhere around the 12, 13, 14 goal mark. I don't see it personally, but would happily be proved wrong. I can't help but compare the signing to Ollie Watkins uh, going to Villa. Now, I get that this comparison is slightly warped by his hat-trick against Liverpool last week. But, you know, they both went for very similar transfer fees. And Watkins is older at 24, has had a far more rigorous uh, apprenticeship in the lower leagues. And, you know, I could understand taking Brewster on a sort of loan deal with a buy option. But anyway, let's get back to um, FPL. His ownership, you know, rocketed before game week four more than tripling in most leagues uh, and now owned in in around half of larger leagues too. Strikers are obviously scarce so I can imagine a fair number of those waivers were were fair moves but I certainly would not be making any rash moves to bring him in and would happily be upselling in a in a trade that's more of a package deal in order to get some better value in another position. So that's it for this episode. Hopefully some food for thought. Um, And, you know, aside from the usual week to week chat, which is predominantly looking at waiver targets, there are obviously some names here that are only likely to be uh, available via trades. Just to kind of sum up from those there, you know, there are obviously some um, who are more likely to be on your on your waiver pile. The ones um, I'd particularly be looking at are making sure that you get Patrick Van Aanholt if he's there. And if you're looking for trade targets, making a bold move for Sergio Aguero could be what ends up winning you the league come the end of the year. We're always happy to hear about trade negotiations and valuation decisions from your leagues. And if you're unsure whether you're getting a good deal, then feel free to ping us a message on Twitter at FPL Draft Hub Pod. And we'll either answer them on there or use them as a talking point for subsequent episodes. If you found this useful and you're not already subscribed, make sure you do so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And be sure to search for us on your podcast app or Spotify if you're currently listening elsewhere. I won't be releasing another episode now before game week five. I think I've hopefully given you plenty of food for thought now in the international break. So, you know, if there was any discussions on new transfers or analysis from game week four that you're missing out on, be sure to go back and listen to the last pre you know the last couple of episodes in preparation for the deadline. So the deadline for game week 5 waivers is 11am on Friday the 16th of October and despite having 2 weeks to sort them out during the international break these are often the deadlines that managers will forget as draft FPL you know has inexplicably dropped off their radar. And as I've said before an easy way to get an edge in your league is simply to make sure you sort your waivers out early. And remember to set your lineups each week. So best of luck uh, for next weekend and the return of the Premier League. And as always, stay shook. <laughs>